Welcome back to The Emily Show. We have a lot to cover today as we talk about the tragic accidental fatal shooting on the set of Rust, a movie that Alec Baldwin was producing and starring in, wherein the cinematographer Helena Hutchins was shot and killed on set and director Joel Souza was injured during that. There's been a ton of questions about whether there will be criminal liability, what liability looks like, if there's civil liability. A ton of facts have come out since this accident took place on October 21st. Yes, I will be referring to it throughout the episode as an accidental shooting because it is. There's nothing that indicates in everything that's come out that this was in any way intentional. That doesn't mean that there can't be criminal liability here, and we'll address that and who it might attach to. But my my thoughts go out to everyone involved. This is definitely a traumatic instance for all parties involved, for everyone on that set. And that includes for, you know, Helena's husband and children, for Alec Baldwin and his family, for Joel Souza, and for all of the crew and other actors that were on set because you don't um, easily recover from being present to something like that. I'm going to be sharing the American Film Institute scholarship fund that's been created in memory and memoriam of Helena Hutchins and breaking down kind of the timeline of what went on, the facts that have been reported and what I think might happen next. So let's get into today's episode. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. I think first we have to acknowledge that Alec Baldwin is in fact a polarizing figure, but no matter what your opinion of him as an individual is, I have empathy for what he is going through um, because clearly this was not intended. This is not what is ever intended. Uh, When you're shooting a film, guns are meant to be rendered safe by multiple persons on set. That wasn't done here. Somebody is negligent in allowing this to happen. I just don't think that person is Alec Baldwin. Would it have been better if he had checked the gun himself? Absolutely. Um, And maybe that should be everyone's standard and practice. It would be mine. Whenever I have a gun in my hand, you know, you need to make sure that A, you know what you're pointing at and B, whatever you're pointing at, you intend to do damage to and see if you don't intend to do damage, you check your gun to make sure it's rendered safe. It doesn't seem that Alec Baldwin um, follows gun safety protocols and didn't check this gun at all when it was handed to him because he was told that it did not have uh, live ammunition in it. And that turned out to not be the case. But that is a choice um, that I'm sure he will be reliving and... um, and and thinking about, I would imagine, most actors that work on film sets with weapons want to understand how those weapons work. We are going to be talking about the fact that these are prop guns. I've heard a lot, and I've seen a lot on um, on the inter- on the interwebs questioning how can a prop gun do this, and I didn't realize there was confusion that a prop gun doesn't mean that it's a fake gun. In some circumstances, that's true, but it's not necessarily true. All prop guns aren't fake. 
prop guns can very much be a real weapon that is being used by the props department on the set of a film. It doesn't mean it's not real. Um, I will mention probably the Office Ladies podcast a lot because it's a good touch point for those of you that don't know people who work in the industry and haven't worked on film sets. I have not worked on film sets. I do know people who work in various capacities in the industry, but um, the Office Ladies really do talk about the behind the scenes of set a ton on their podcast and really talk about props, share about safety meetings, share about when they have safety meetings. And I think a lot of you have probably listened to that podcast as well. So I will be kind of cross-referencing. I don't know why that was hard to say, but I will be cross-referencing things that they have shared. And just the way that if you use a coffee mug on set, it's a prop, but it's not a fake coffee mug. It really does hold your drink. So that I think we need to clear up first is that a prop gun, and I will be referring to the prop gun, it's just the gun in the the purview of the property department and the armorer on set, not a fake weapon. So as we get into this timeline, I'm going to go through the timeline of the information as we you know, discovered it, as it happened, then my thoughts on liability, criminal, and civil, then my thoughts about the other circumstances, because there are circumstances going on as this is happening, including a potential uh, walkout strike by IATSE, which is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees that covers like 150 crew members, 150,000 crew members in the U.S. and Canada, including camera operators, cinematographers, script coordinators, prop makers, set builders, you know, editors, makeup artists, a lot of the... Um, support to make movie magic happen. And there has been an ongoing union negotiation that has not resolved um, permanently. And there is now a vote to authorize a strike. And those, um, if those crew members that are union IATSE members walk out, it will shut down, I think, probably everything that's in production because you can't be in production without set builders and prop makers and editors and cinematographers and script coordinators and camera operators. You just can't make a movie without, you can't make a TV show without uh, those critical members of the crew. So there is context around this too, because there was a walkout the morning that this fatal shooting happened. On Thursday, October 21st, the uh, shooting happened on the set of Rust. Alec Baldwin was the one that shot and subsequently killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins and director Joel Souza, who was injured. The 911 calls came in to the police at approximately 1.50 p.m. local time. Uh, I am not exactly sure what time zone this part of New Mexico is in, if it's mountain time, if it's central time. I, I remember road tripping across New Mexico and we changed time zones more than I thought that we would. It was very uh, interesting. That 911 call has been made public on multiple different media sites. If you want to go hear it, you can hear the distress and strain in the voice of the individual that called. It seems that the 911 call, or it's reported that the 911 call has come from script supervisor um, Mamie Mitchell and was yelling while was on the 911 call to someone else, not to the 911 operator, was saying we're on set. We had a prop gun fire, someone's been shot, and then was yelling the, you know, this fucking AD 
that yelled at me at lunch asking about res- revisions. This motherfucker, he's supposed to check the guns. He's responsible for what happened. So it seemed that when that 911 call was going on, there was also a side conversation while that individual was on the phone. And subsequently, we will talk about the AD or the assistant director on that project, Dave Halls, for sure. On October 22nd, Friday, Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office served warrants at the set and collected physical evidence, all the cameras, camera equipment, tapes, hard drives, memory cards, firearms, ammo, all the paperwork related to the firearms, all the clothing, including the costumes. And according to the Hollywood Reporter, the warrant stated that Assistant Director David Halls grabbed one of the three prop guns and um, handed the gun to Baldwin and yelled on the set, cold gun which from all reports indicate that it does not have any live rounds in it that would include blanks. Blanks are also projectiles and can also harm someone. So it was supposed to be an empty weapon. From later reports, it seemed that Baldwin was practicing the shot of pulling a gun from a holster, pointing it down the barrel um, of the camera, like holding you know the muzzle and barrel of the gun down the the barrel of the camera lens as he was like backing out of the the western set that they were shooting on and was practicing that motion to block out the shot block out where the cameras were going to be it seemed that the cameras were intended to be remotely operated but at the time they were blocking that shot the camera operator director and cinematographer were all right there behind the camera there's actually a photo that we will add in from where did this come from? From Insider. That actually, we'll just Emily. Don't add it in. Just show it on the screen for those of you just watching the audio. Just watching the audio. Just listening to the audio. I'll do my best to describe the uh, photo that I'm looking at from Insider. But this photo shows um, Alec Baldwin inside the Western Church with the uh, crew as he is preparing this shot. Uh, Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer, is behind where the camera is. The director is there as well, and they are blocking out the shot. And you can see Baldwin in the shot as well, um, in the photograph. So that is, it seems to be the orientation of everybody when this happened, because this photo, it's indicated in the article, was taken shortly before the shooting happened on set. So on Friday, the sheriff's department uh, did a search warrant, took all the things. The warrant indicated that Halls didn't know there were live rounds when he handed the gun to Baldwin. Later reports indicate that in the search warrant, Halls said to police when they would have interviewed him on the 21st that he did not check the gun. So when we get to potential criminal liability and civil liability, we will talk about standards of negligence. On October 23rd, the recovering uh, director, Joel Souza, gave a statement to Deadline saying, quote, I am gutted by the loss of my friend and colleague, Helena. She was kind, vibrant, incredibly talented, fought for every inch, and always pushed me to be better. My thoughts are with her family at this most difficult time. I am humbled and grateful by the outpouring of affection we have received from our filmmaking community the people of Santa Fe and the hundreds of strangers who have reached out, it will surely aid in my recovery. On October 25th, a letter was sent to the crew from producers, which the production team includes Baldwin that stated, quote, as we go through this crisis, we have made the decision to wrap the set at least until the investigations are complete. I have thoughts about that, but I'm going to finish the quote first. 
The wrap, they said, was a pause rather than an end to production. Production will uh, donate to the Helena Hutchins Scholarship Fund and match all crew donations. Then they provided information to the crew for emotional support with in-person and virtual grief counselors. Now, um, the decision to wrap the set, I am sure, has to do with the fact that everyone on the crew is going to have to process the trauma of watching a coworker be killed in a workplace-related incident, which essentially is is what this is. This was a workplace, um, and and the pra- the rehearsal for this particular shot went horribly wrong because the gun was loaded when it shouldn't have been, and it seems that the people who were supposed to check and make it safe failed to adequately do so. I mean, it doesn't seem. That's just that's the facts. I don't know why I'm saying it seems. Those are just the facts. Someone didn't do their job, or this wouldn't have happened. That's not. That's not a stretch. So with that, we also know that the day before, the police took everything into evidence. I don't know how they would continue production when the cameras and all of the props and costumes are being held in evidence during this investigation. So the wording was interesting to me. It's like, we have decided to wrap this up. Well, you can't, how could you not, though? I mean, yes, given the trauma that everybody's processing through, but also uh, the practical side of Emily is like, right, but also all the camera equipment, all the everything, everything from set, it seems, um, including rounds of ammo, is all being held in evidence during this investigation. So the practical side of me is like, yeah, but you also have to. Like, yes, I understand why you're saying this, but yes, you also have to wrap filming. On October 26th, People reported that Dave Halls was fired from a previous film project after a prop firearm incident that injured a crew member. And then these stories started coming out that there had been other concerns on set with A.D. David Halls. And we will get into that as kind of they come out, but this is not a first. And so Later on, when we're talking about both criminal liability and uh, civil liability, keeping in mind that there is history um, goes even further to showing someone should have known and should have known better or should have known differently that what they were doing was dangerous. And for me, it's like 100% if you've had a previous incident where someone had been injured by a prop firearm, you would think that this individual, this AD, David Halls, would be above and beyond cautious. And it seems that that's not what happened at all. And I am very much curious as to why. I don't know if we'll ever get that answer, but I have I have questions. It leaves me with lots of questions. On October 27th, we get more information from the police affidavit And Halls admitted then that he didn't properly check the gun in question that day. Gutierrez, who is the armorer and it seemed was also working as the props master or assistant props master, insisted that she checked the dummies and made sure there were not hot rounds in the gun. But it seems that there were. Um, And I will tell, well, we know that there was a live round because it was recovered from the shoulder of the director that was shot and injured. So it is now clear what kind of projectile was fired. I suspected that it was a uh, actual bullet just by the nature of the way that this accident happened and by the reports that came out that 
two people were injured with one round. And that generally wouldn't happen with not a bullet, just in all practical senses. Also on the 27th, the DA said that no one had been ruled out and said, quote, the investigation will continue. And if the sheriff's office determines during their investigation that a crime has occurred and probable cause exists, an arrest or arrests will be made and charges will be filed. The sheriffs also made clear that there was no footage of the actual incident. It seemed they were blocking out where the cameras went. The district attorney said, or a district attorney said, that if the facts and evidence and laws support charges, then I will initiate prosecution at that time. And that comes from DA Karmic Altwis, A-L-T-W-I-S, I think. But they added at that time that we're just not there yet. During that press conference, it was also released that over 500 rounds of ammunition were recovered from set and that that was a mix of blanks, dummy rounds, and live rounds. That was also when it was released that a lead projectile was recovered from the shoulder of Mr. Souza and indicated that he considered the bullet live because obviously it did fire from the gun. So a lead projectile is not a dummy round or a blank. It is a bullet, as you would colloquially call a bullet that you fire from a gun. So there's that. On October 29th, the armorer, and it seems that she was also working as a prop master or assistant prop master on set, Hannah Gutierrez made a statement through lawyers and had already retained counsel, which isn't surprising to me. Um, Obviously, the armorer who is charged with weapon safety on the set, that is their primary duty and function, with a firearm-related injury on set is going to be looked at not just for potential criminal liability, but also for civil liability. So I imagine talking to lawyers was one of the first things uh, that was done. But armorer Hannah Gutierrez, who is quite young, I believe, uh, she is 24 years old, and this was her second movie. So I, I can't imagine what that is like, knowing that something that was charged into your care did this. So... Hannah made a statement through lawyers saying that safety was her number one priority on set and that ultimately this set would never have been compromised if live ammo were not introduced. Hannah has no idea where the live rounds came from. Hannah still to this day has never had an accidental discharge. Hannah was hired um, to two positions on the film, which made it extremely difficult to focus on her job as armorer. She fought for training days to maintain the weapons and proper time to prepare for gunfire, but ultimately was overruled by production and her department. The whole production set became unsafe due to various factors, including lack of safety meetings, the lawyers added, in you know, basically pointing fingers at the producers and at the assistant director, who is said to have been the one that wasn't um, upholding and hosting or having hosting, it's not it's having the safety meetings that would have been needed on set when there was going to be a live weapon on set at any time. The lawyers go on to say that Hannah and the prop master gained control over the guns and she never witnessed anyone shoot live rounds with these guns, nor would she permit that. The lawyers finished up their written statement saying they were locked up every night and at lunch, so there's no way a single one of them was unaccounted for or being shot by crew members. And that's directly addressing rumors that crew members were using the guns on set for target practice, that they were essentially playing 
with the prop guns. Now, I'm not going to lecture about playing with with firearms. If the crew wanted to go shoot guns, there are weapon ranges where you can go shoot stuff. Shooting stuff can be great, but it's not appropriate with a prop weapon. Um, People Magazine obtained a photograph exclusively that showed where the weapons were being kept on set um, and had just a table with weapon belts and the guns kind of just shoved into a duffel bag. And no, it seems that there, from this photo, is no one standing around that table and that the crew is doing something else further down in the picture, but that the guns are just kind of stuck in a duffel bag. So there are differing viewpoints on how safe the weapons were kept, but she should have checked it, and so should the AD who handed it to Baldwin and said that it was not um, a hot gun, that it was a cold gun. So that should have been checked at least twice, and I would imagine it was a revolver. It's like a Colt, old, old, old-timey Colt 45 revolver because it's a Western film. I Those aren't hard to pop open and check um, the revolver in the chamber. So I don't know why Baldwin wouldn't have just done that too, but that is speculation by me. Clearly that wasn't the practice on this set or Baldwin's own practice when he was handed a weapon. I imagine that from now on, a lot of actors will maybe think twice when they are handed something about double-checking it themselves or requesting the training to do so um, when they are using prop guns on set. On October 30th, Alec Baldwin had an impromptu roadside chat with paparazzi that was first released by TMZ. And it seems from the context of that video that I've watched a couple times, and I'll link that down below, that that statement was because um, paparazzi had been following him around Vermont. But before we get into the rest of that statement, we have to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Can you believe it's already November? I can't believe it's November. It feels like the holidays are right around the corner. And because we are coming out of all of the lockdowns that we had last year, I actually look forward to seeing people this holiday. But then there's this whole second level of stress for me of like, I've been living in yoga pants for almost two years now, and I don't want to go back. Like there's no reversing that trend for me. That's just what it is. So what am I going to wear to holiday get-togethers? And deciding that in advance makes it so much easier for me to not have decision fatigue. And that is why I love Beta Brand so much. They are the sponsor of today's Emily Show, and they make incredible pants with pockets that are machine washable, including denim, like yoga denim. Denim that is stretchy like a yoga pant, but looks classy, not like a janky jegging. Like, let's be real. They look sleek and put together so you can look great and feel great. Look, have your holiday cake and eat it too because you are going to be comfortable in the pants you are wearing. And if you want to try them out, there is plenty of time to get yourself a pair for the holidays. They have plain black work cut yoga pants. They have denim and a lot of fun patterns like houndstooth 
I love it. I I just got my denim and I am so excited about it. So if you want 30% off, betabrand.com slash Emily for 30% off. So right now you can get 30% off your beta brand order when you go to betabrand.com slash Emily. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash Emily for 30% off your order for a limited time. And when you use our special URL, you're supporting me and the show. Find out why women are ditching their typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash Emily for 30% off. So thank you to Beta Brand for sponsoring another show and for letting me live my best life of not wearing real pants ever, but no one needing to know that. And for pockets, we love pockets. Let's get into the rest of today's show. So Alec Baldwin is chatting with paparazzi on the side of the road. And again, I will leave the links in the show notes and description. If you want to go watch that interview, it's four minutes long. I mean, it's not really an interview. It's paparazzi on the side of the road um, where he stopped. He, at the end of it, asked the paparazzi to leave him alone. It seemed that they were following his family around Vermont. But during the interview, Alec Baldwin started off doing all right. He said, look. There's an open investigation, and I've been told not to say anything. I've been told not to comment. And then he continues to comment. He should have just stuck with the first part and stopped talking. He is still subject to an open police investigation with regard to a shooting that the entire time he tries to distance himself from, but the shooting that was at his hands. That doesn't mean it wasn't an accident, but he was the one holding the weapon. And he very much distances himself from that in all of the statements he's made. He made a statement on Twitter on October 21st. And his Twitter statement said, there are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding this tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred. Well... I mean, I'm sure you are shocked and saddened, but it occurred when the gun that you were holding had a bullet in it instead of not having a bullet in it. So yes, I know that the police are investigating how that happened, but it's just a very detached statement. He then goes on to say, I am in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband, their son, and all who knew and loved Helena. And again, I don't doubt any of that is true, but it's just interesting that he continues talking about this from a more like third-party observer, like, oh, I saw this horrible thing happen versus, oh, I was a critical component to this horrible thing. That doesn't mean he is at fault um, from an acting side. I have other thoughts when we get to the production side, but let's finish talking about this October 30th roadside interview. I also thought that his wife was trying to stop him from saying too much to paparazzi because there is a investigation going on. And every time she approached him to try to be like, that's enough. And you could see her doing it in this interview. He would say, excuse me. And at one point he said, how about you let me answer the questions? I, it was, it was, it was so fucking rude. It was so fucking rude. I got the sense that his wife 
um, Hilaria was trying to protect him, was trying to get him to not say too much. Look, he said, this is an active investigation. I can't comment on it. She was my friend. I am horrified by what's happening. I'm working with law enforcement. I'm working with her husband. I am deeply saddened. I have nothing further to say. Fine. But then he goes on trying to explain himself. And she is trying, I think, just from watching this video, to protect him by saying that's enough. It's too much. Don't say anymore. And he's like, excuse me. I'm talking here. No, the I'm talking here is not what he said. That's like my interpretation of his body language. But it was very much, excuse me. And then later he was like, how about you let me answer the questions? It was very rude. And that was very interesting because I got the sense that his wife was being very protective of him. So I'll leave the links. I'd love to know your thoughts on that interview and how you how you interpret that. Maybe it's just my interpretation. Maybe he was totally in the right in your view in uh, popping off at his wife like that because she interrupted his interview with paparazzi. And this was his time to clear the air. Look, you don't get to clear the air. There's a criminal investigation. What you get to do is shut up and not say anything. He released a statement on Twitter, nothing else. I can't make any statement. Um, My heart is broken for her family. I'm shattered that this happened. We've stopped production. Interestingly enough, he also said he does in that interview that he does not think production will resume. And at this point, I can't imagine that it would. I would be very, very surprised if production of this film resumed. I just, I don't see how how it could. I don't see how crew would want to. I think the civil liability that is to come from this is going to be substantial as I'm getting ahead of myself. On November 1st, and that's as I'm filming this, and there might be more information between me recording this episode and this coming out. If there is, I will put it in comments and share it on social media. But the the activity that happened on set was shared by Insider from an interview with one of the grips that was on set when this happened. And in that uh, article from Insider, the crew members share the reaction from Helena Hutchins, and they share Joel Souza's words as well. It's reported by the grip that they talked to that Helena said that was no good, that was no good at all, and that Joel Souza said what the fuck just happened that stings or that burns. And after that happened, Baldwin is reported to have said, what the fuck just happened? And Joel Souza, the director, is reported to have said, what the fuck was that that burns? Um, They also shared information that I had not seen shared yet, that Hutchins and Souza were standing about two feet away from the muzzle at the time that Baldwin fired it which gives a lot more context to how just the the nuts and bolts practical matter of how this was a a through and through gunshot of Hutchins and then a lodging gunshot into Souza uh stopping in his shoulder which allowed the bullet to be recovered and will be tested by the FBI and compared to the gun and what's on set and trying to figure out what's going on that article also reports that both individuals immediately fell to the ground and then people started yelling, she's shot and calling police and calling for a medic and trying to save uh, Helena Hutchins, which they were unable to do. And she was later pronounced dead um, after she was airlifted to the hospital. It's, it really truly is tragic. The thing that's so frustrating about this story is it's just so, so 
fucking avoidable. There are multiple people whose job it is to make sure that this doesn't happen and someone didn't do their job and that's it. This isn't an accident. I, I mean, it is an accident. Clarify why I said that. It is an accident um, when you look at Alec Baldwin being handed a gun and told it's cold. I don't have any reason to believe, and there's no reports to believe that, that that's anything other than just the facts of what happened. But somewhere in the chain of custody from that weapon getting cleared by the armorer to getting into the hands of the AD and getting into Baldwin's hand, someone dropped the ball. And that is not an accident. That is going to be negligent. Someone should have checked the gun and didn't, and it had a live bullet in it. That's not accidental. That's not something lodged into the barrel that no one knew was there. That is someone not doing their job. So when it comes to criminal liability, that's what's going to be considered. Now, I mentioned earlier that that morning, the morning of the shooting on October 21st, crew had walked off and it was camera crew that had walked off. Helena Hutchins chose to stay on set, but they had walked off over working conditions on this film. The fact that they weren't getting adequate rest, that their hotels were over an hour away from set. They were pulling long, long days on set and weren't being supportive. So in the early days of this being reported, that was a lot of the focus of the reports were the other issues on set, but it wasn't just over working hours and the hotel accommodations that were too far away from set for people to reasonably get back to. So they were sleeping on set in their cars, but also the gun had had other misfires, other issues um, previously on set. So there were numerous reports in the LA times and other outlets about the previous issues with the weapons on this movie set. And that doesn't even include the breakdowns with regard to the assistant director halls and having um, complaints over the years, according to a CNN report, including a disregard for safety protocols for weapons and pyrotechnics, and that that had come up and that he was routinely uh, reported to be dismissive when it came to safety meetings, which is a huge red flag. And then you get down to the affidavit from the search warrant saying that Halls didn't check the gun when he handed it and said it was cold. So I think we will definitely see finger pointing between the 24-year-old armorer saying, look, I was doing too many jobs. We weren't having safety meetings. The AD wasn't supporting us. And the AD saying, I'm not the armorer. And when it comes to civil liability, I think that's what we'll see. Now, when it comes to civil liability, there is going to be liability to go around, not just with regard to the production company, but potentially individual liability as well. You've got uh, the potential for wrongful death lawsuits. You've got the workplace safety uh, issues. You have the production company that is, if they're not following protocol, they're not holding meetings, they're not rendering the set safe, then you've got problems there. Yes, there is insurance for a lot of those things, but then you might have a production company that isn't able to get insurance. Again, I don't know how long Alec Baldwin has been producing movies, but I imagine that after this, A, I don't know if he will want to, but B, there will be um, definite concerns of getting insurance depending on what liability is found. So there is going to be lawsuits over this in the civil context. But what a lot of y'all have been asking me about is the criminal context. A weapon was fired. Someone was killed. Is that criminal? So we have not seen released and probably won't see released 
an autopsy report, but we already know what an autopsy report would say. It would find the manner of death as a homicide because, again, it happened at the hands of someone else. And it would find the cause of death to be a gunshot wound because, by all reports, it, that's what happened. She was shot with a bullet during this incident on the film set and died from that. So I don't know if we need an autopsy to really tell us that. There will be one done. If there's a criminal prosecution, that will be a part of it. But for our purposes of looking at what might be, um, you know, it's reasonable to speculate that that's what information you would get from a uh, from an autopsy report, given all the factors here. There aren't a lot of questions about that. So when we look at criminal liability, we have to look at involuntary versus involuntary. And in this, based on all of the reports, it doesn't seem willful, intentional, or voluntary. And that leaves us with the world of negligent homicide or involuntary manslaughter, depending on your jurisdiction. I pulled this up for New Mexico because that's where the incident happened. That's where the law applies. That's, you know, Santa Fe sheriffs are investigating. That's the district attorney's office that would choose to charge or not charge this. And I can see it going both ways. Involuntary manslaughter is an unintentional killing. And the behavior that you're doing at the time of the unintentional killing can be lawful behavior. If what you are doing is legal, which is being on a movie set and having weapons is legal, you know, unless for some reason they don't have the permits that they're supposed to have. And then you're going, oh, it's they didn't have permits. It's an illegal act. But that's such a stretch given that they were filming on this ranch that is used for particularly that, right? So the assumption I'm making based on everything that has been reported is that the acts that they were doing were lawful acts. They were legally doing things they were legally allowed to do. And that's where you get to this criminal negligence standard saying, hey, somebody must have been negligent because the legal thing resulted in an unintentional or involuntary death. And that includes a reckless disregard. This is why I said the history here is very important. If there had been, as reported, previous misfires with this weapon, who was disregarding the safety meetings from that? Who was choosing not to investigate that? Who was making those decisions? Was it the armorer? Was it the assistant director? Or was it Alec Baldwin as a producer? Who made that choice? So who is criminally negligent for what happened? And it's just going to depend what's been said and what the investigation shows. The reports that we have are that the assistant director who told the actor, Baldwin, that the gun was cold or that the gun was essentially, you know, not firing so safe is the assistant director. And if I'm the prosecutor, that's the first place I would look is at the assistant director and then at the armorer and then at Baldwin and evaluate the liability and the potential reckless disregard and criminal negligence from each of those people based on the interviews that I had done. And that's the order that I would take um, with mine. The reason I take that order being more likely to be a charge there to least likely to be a charge there. If somebody else was involved in that chain of custody with the gun, then I would also look at them. But from all of the reports, what we've seen is that the armorer, the assistant director, and Baldwin were the three that were in 
uh, interaction with that weapon before it was fired and before someone was killed because it had a live round in it on set. Not because it was fired, but because it had a live round in it when it was fired. So it'll be interesting to see. Juries don't always love involuntary manslaughter charges because a lot of those cases are really truly tragic accidents. And in this case, it is a tragic accident. But if there is negligence there, then there's negligence there. And an involuntary manslaughter charge accounts for that negligence. Again, with the history of the weapon being reportedly misfired on set and with the reports that this assistant director had had someone injured on another set, then you go, look, is this a reckless disregard? And it very well may be, but who that disregard goes to is not necessarily the person who pulled the trigger, in this case, Alec Baldwin. So I'll be interested to see what the investigation turns up and what charging decisions or decline to charge the district attorney in Santa Fe chooses. It will also be interesting if this factors more into that IATSE walkout that we talked about Again, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, this has been an ongoing issue over working conditions, particularly with regard to streaming services and making sure that uh, crew had adequate rest time, adequate provisions, adequate meal breaks for shoot days, long rest, longer rest periods between shifts on weekends, really just humane working conditions. Based on everything I've read, it's like, look, we need we need adequate rest. And I think that this, again, this shooting is going to go to indicate that you not only need adequate rest and adequate breaks, but you need adequate staffing. You can't do things without enough people. And the lawyer's comments for the armorer in this case are saying, look, it was very hard for her to keep up with all of her duties because she was doing two jobs on set. And really answering the questions of why that's happening. And if you don't have the budget there, then maybe you just don't have live guns on set. On a final note, and we didn't open with a quote because sometimes it feels like when the topics are heavy and it's heavy, um, a 42-year-old woman lost her life at work in a way that, you know, never should have happened because there were procedures that if they were followed would have prevented it. It was completely completely preventable. And just on a personal note, I am 43 years old. Her son is nine. I have a nine-year-old. It just hits so different when you're like, God, you know, you go to work and you hope everyone's doing their job to keep you safe. And when they're not, it, this is this is where we're at. And it just, it hurts my heart for her family. And it it just hurts my heart for her family and for all of her friends and the crew that was there this is this is a trauma that will stay with them forever and and I don't wish that on anyone. So I don't start with a quote to make it cheeky and to to kind of be funny. But the quote is appropriate now because the end of this story is something we just have to talk about. And the quote is tragedy plus time equals comedy. Kevin and Bean from the Kevin and Bean show which one of my favorite radio programs. I love radio, but one of my favorite ro- radio programs from um, LA, from, you know, growing up, I started listening to Kevin and Bean in like junior high. So Rick Leventhal and former Real Housewife of Orange County, Kelly Dodd, dressed up for Halloween as Alec Baldwin and in a Western costume with a revolver and Kelly Dodd dressed up 
in a full Native American outfit with a large feathered headdress and a short skirt and a revolver as well. Kelly Dodd has apparently said that she is part uh, Native American, and this was a celebration of her heritage. Kelly Dodd also trolls. She also screamed, I'm Black, at the Real Housewife of Orange County reunion last season. So, uh, look, I just, I was wondering when I first saw the headline, is page six stretching this? Is page six making something out of nothing just because Rick Leventhal is dressed in a Western outfit with a cowboy hat and like a plaid t-shirt with a vest and a holster and a revolver? Are they just making more out of it? But no, but no, he captioned the photo, quote, Kelly celebrated her Native American heritage and I celebrated the great American film actor Alec Baldwin, hashtag happy Halloween. The other photo, and if you're on the YouTube, you'll see it. If you're not, I'm going to describe it to you. The other photo has them posing with the guns with, it seems that Kelly Dodd is holding the gun to her temple in the second photo. What the fuck? What? Why? What? Th this isn't funny. It's not okay, which is why I think they're trolling. I think they're desperate for attention, even if it's negative attention. I think it's disgusting. And I don't know why you would think that this is what we're going to do for Halloween. Like, just what? The comment section, of course, skewered them for this choice. The thing that's so shocking to me is why is this the choice? So we talk about Real Housewives a lot. There are times that I'm like, look, you do you, you do this. We don't know what she knew. Everyone knew this was a bad idea. I just can't. I just can't. I'm glad she's not on the show next season. I'm just going to be honest. So the, the crassness is already coming out with regard to this. I, I mean, Helena Hutchins' family just, just laid her to rest. And, and, and this. Ugh. It's just fucking appalling behavior, truly. So that is kind of everything, kind of. That is everything um, up till now with regard to the shooting on the set of Rust. I've said a lot. It's just a, it's an absolute tragedy that shouldn't have happened. We will see if there is criminal liability for it. But what we will for sure see is a whole lot of civil lawsuits. And I haven't seen any yet. I'm sure... Well, if I was waiting, I would wait for the criminal and see what the criminal investigation turned up and what was decided. And then, but I'm sure there are already lawyers. Uh, we know that the armor already has lawyers trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And there will be civil lawsuits um, with regard to all of this. How many is a question? How much money will be paid is a question. But it doesn't really matter because it's none of none of this is going to undo what was done. What would have mattered is if somebody had done what they were supposed to do and made sure that that set was safe. And it's just horrific that it wasn't. And that's, that's, that's just what it is. So thank you for being honored. Thank you for being here. If you want to get into the conversation with these episodes, you are welcome to join me on social media at 
the Emily D. Baker, or in the Lawnard community at Patreon, lawnardsunite.com. We'll get you there where you can have more conversations and the members only podcast. I have thoughts where I talk about more of of my opinions, not just on the stories that I cover, but on stories that I don't cover on that podcast and, you know, the happenings on the interwebs. So if you're curious about that, lawnardsunite.com, the links are always down below. Raise a glass and say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. I will see you in the next one, friend. (laughs) 